We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the PGP, everybody. The show about the show, the show within the show. As always, the PGP, the Permission Granted Podcast, is available all places podcasts are downloaded. That includes Radio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, Spotify, and other places. So you can download the PGP on the normal DA show podcast feed or on its own podcast feed. So time now for side A, week six or seven, I guess, of quarantine. And the DA show today had a technological breakthrough. We have done the show now from home for the duration of this quarantine. We have not been able to see one another. I have been on the simulcast with the singular camera. We have not had the capabilities to have multiple cameras set up to run the simulcast and watch DA. So you can see me at watch DA. You can't see everybody else, nor can I see everybody else. Today... We unveiled, through yours truly, brainstorming new and exciting ways to take the DA show into the next universe, Zoom, which we've all used probably now over the course of these six weeks learning how to video teleconference. Now, we can't get that video on Watch DA. It still can only have one film feed, so that's the issue. But at least we behind the scenes can see one another. And we're doing it right now, as I can see Mraz in his Rangers hoodie, in his downstairs basement. I also saw him wardrobe change this morning (laughs) as he began in a T-shirt and then moved, I think it was a Ranger, a a Rutgers athletic T-shirt, and then transitioned to the Rangers hoodie. So it's given us a lot of behind the scenes. I also saw Kate the Great, Bogish's wife, scurry by behind the screen today. So, Mraz, I would say that this has been an early win for the DA show. Uh, it is. It is. And get used to this Rangers hoodie because you're going to about to see it probably five, <laughs> five days a week. It basically sits on the okay. chair next to me. It was, uh, first of all, it was great because as much as this show has kind of represented a normal turn for us, I think, every four hours every day in an escape, seeing all you guys. And now we could see you, but it kind of felt more interactional, uh, obviously, on Zoom. 
seeing you guys today was refreshing. It was like, oh, okay, there's Bogish. There's DA. Wow, this is what these guys look like. Wow, it's more Bogish. connected. Right. Bogish needs a haircut. DA really needs a haircut. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it, it definitely was more connected. Definitely was excited. And, uh, yeah, you're going to get a lot of wardrobe changes for me because I run hot and cold down in this corner where I am. I also noted, though, and noticed that during a segment, your Zoom camera kept bouncing up and down like you were holding it. And I have to imagine, aren't you doing Zoom on your laptop or are you doing it on your phone? So I am. So here's a little now behind the scenes I'll take you. So I do it on my laptop. I have set up on an air hockey table. That is my current setup. I have an air hockey table with my machine that goes back to the studio. Mm -hmm. I have this. The problem is the computer that I use here that I am on my Zoom now was not capable with an audio editing equipment that I needed to cut the Epic Fail-In show to do the best of show after the show. So I have my wife's non-work laptop that she lets me use from the hours of 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. before she needs it later on for work. So when I have to cut the Epic Fail or start cutting sound and receiving it, I pivot to a little bit of a turn and I juggle both laptops because it's a little hard on the air hockey table to reach over and use that other one. So I kind of put both one on each one of my knees. So I get a little happy leg and I start bouncing and that's where it becomes the Blair Witch Project. Ah, uh, gotcha. That's gotcha, it. gotcha, gotcha. So I didn't see this. Did you say during one of the interviews, the Andy Benoit interview, yes. that it became a free-for-all behind Bogish and his kids were just let out loose? Behind all of us. So my wife had come downstairs. She knows to stay clear of the basement for the most part, but, you know, it's a house you got to operate here. She's doing stuff with the with Taylor's playroom. She's changing out toys or whatever, and she needed me to hold her so she could do that. As she held her, Bogish's kids had stormed in the room as well to say good morning to Daddy. <laughs> because, again, we're up earlier than they all are. So at one point, I had Taylor on one leg, Eli on another, the dog, and Bogus is having his kids wave through the camera. And you're staring, but you're not staring at us, and you have no idea there's an absolute zoo going on on Zoom as you're trying to conduct the interview. And me and Bogus have kids waving at each other, dogs panting. It was a circus. Thank God I missed that. I was studying Andy Benoit's draft grades. I was like, oh, (laughs) he gave the Jaguars a C+. Should I discuss that here? Yeah, there was it was some scene back here, but at one point there was like seven heads you could see on Zoom, and you're just yesing to death during Andy Benoit. It was certainly interesting. <laughs> so the Zoom has opened up a whole new can of worms here on the show, and today we discussed. Well, we also learned during G Chat. So the way that we do this is we are all on a G Chat together, which I just realized some people have never heard of. If you have a Google Mail, a Gmail account. You have like a chat screen like the old AOL instant messenger or whatever. And you can chat with people in real time, almost like a text thread in some ways. And so all of the guys on the show, that includes Bogish, Pete the Body Bilotti, Andrew Kaplan, and also Connor Green when he's filling in as an associate producer, are all on this G-chat thread. So this is the way that we all kind of interact with one another at the same time during commercial breaks, etc., because we can't hear one another, obviously, can't see one another on or during the, the broadcast. You, in the middle of the show, were going to douse your ribs in Coca-Cola <laughs> to make that. your world-famous Coca-Cola ribs. Are you eating right. those tonight? I am, and uh, if you go to Twitter, at CBS, I did a little and I put the pouring of Looks the Coke on my Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and I'll I'll continue to update them on my Instagram story throughout the day at Mraz CBS. But yeah, so one of the joys of I guess working from home currently is that the crock pot, the slow cooker, those methods that I talk about a lot on the football foods of the week. 
the reason they work really well for me during Football Foods of the Week is because I have time to monitor them. Now, mm-hmm. when I do it, when I come to the studio and I make something before I leave and I come back, yeah, they'll get done and it'll do a fine job. And I know you've done it as well. But what you mix there, miss there is, you know, checking in a little stir every hour mm-hmm. or so. So when you have time to monitor it, like I do from working from home, I think the Coca-Cola ribs come out much better like they would on a weekend. So, yeah, I timed it out where I let the barbecue sauce simmer for about 45 minutes. And I had told you guys in the G-Chat, if I'm nothing but transparent, guys, during this break, i got to run up, pour the can of Coke in. Look, it's a, it's a hero's move right there. You know, we had on the CEO today, Joe Maslank of Tropical Brothers, Tropical Bros. He has a line, Tropical Bros, a line of tropical wares, you might imagine, big Hawaiians and stuff like this, Hawaiian shirts and shorts. And I'm holding for you what they sent you. And again, this is, looks like it is watermelons, cut open watermelons, and pineapples. Love it. On a white striped shirt with like a turquoise or, or light teal horizontal stripe. So I got to get this to you in the mail today. But you're going to have this this summer, and we're going to hook up all of our listeners. Tropical Bros decided to hook up our listeners with winners every week of their gear. So we got a little something, a little juice here to look forward to for Memorial Day for everybody. I think it's a great idea, and I think your hashtag that you perfected, hashtag tweet the meat, I think, I mean, could get dicey at times, Mm -hmm. but I think ultimately uh, you're going to see some really cool things. And I think uh, on top of, obviously, great gear that will come out of here as well, we might also get some really like, wow, how did you cook that? What are you cooking as well? I think this this Twitter will uh, full multi-purposes. It should be noted, and this is especially for our listener Hemsky in Tucson, who has now bombarded my uh, direct message inbox on Twitter, is very stressed out, wants to be at the top of the line for this. Is this beginning Friday? Is this becoming beginning Saturday? He wanted a set day to not you know, tweet something too early, so maybe we should reiterate that for our listeners. Yeah, I'm thinking we'll start it on Friday. That way, going into the weekend, and then I think we're going to give away either five or six DA show koozies a week, so one per show. We've got nice. the sixth show on Sunday. So I think we'll give away five or six DA show koozies over the course of May. And then we will also give away once per week winners to Tropical Bros stuff, which will be Hawaiians and board shorts and stuff like that. I think it's Friday, May 1st. I think it is. Isn't that, isn't it unbelievable? I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. You told me today was April 19th or May 1st. I'd believe you at this point. Yeah, so let's do May 1st. That'll be Friday. That'll be the, nice the start of this. Month. and that'll, that'll go right through Memorial Day. So we'll do a full month of May giveaways. I like so, it. I'm going to have to win some koozies, by the way, because I built a, a second. Bob's Bar expanded to my house. I built one there in quarantine, and I've left all my koozies at the original Bob's Bar, and I cannot take. Oh, those is back. that right? Wow. So I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to have to enter this myself and try to win some koozies for the new Bob's Bar Bay Shore over here. Okay, I'm going to. I'm going to insert in your package a Tropical Bros koozie as well. They I got a little pineapple and a seashell on there, I believe. So we'll send that stuff to you. And also there's a Tropical Bar, Tropical Bros Bar sticker that's the American flag with pineapples on it that you can probably put on the new bar, the Annex. I love that. Great, great. We're getting gear. So Major League Two I found to be generally very enjoyable. Sequels usually suck, but I really love Major League One. And I was surprised I had not seen it in years. I was surprised how much I laughed out loud at Major League Two. Tanaka killed me. The entire movie, Tanaka just killed me. I was laughing out loud. See, I love Tanaka. Me, I am a sucker for Randy Quaid as the fan, 
and I'm yeah. a sucker for Bob Euchre in the booth because Bob Euchre in the booth is just he's unbelievable. And to me, I think the most laugh out loud. <laughs> Funny moment is when uh, Charlie Seam Wild thing is getting beat up in the dugout, and now he's going to hit him, and he might as well because everybody hits him this year. I, <laughs> I lost it, lost it, and it's the play-by-play of the fight. Bob Uecker's so good, but Tanaka is, is just – that's a perfect – because you didn't want to do the same thing as Major League One. You needed new characters to come yeah. in, and obviously he supplied that. I also thought that Rue Baker, the rookie catcher, was such a good actor. There yes. was a little element of Peyton Manning in how he spoke. <laughs> and I just was like, this guy's great. I can't believe he didn't make he didn't make any other movies. I don't remember that guy in anything else. Yeah, I remember he, him from something else. Major League Three. Back to- <laughs> okay, okay. And I don't know, Tanaka, Rube Baker, you know, the, the big loss casting wise was not having a Wesley Snipes back. Right. And swapping and Omar Epps is a great actor, but he just wasn't as charismatic as Wesley Snipes. I agree with you. Wesley Snipes is the better, though I did want to actually have a counterpoint to what you were saying in your Champ or Chump on Tuesday, on Wednesday. See what I mean? I've lost track on all days. Mm-hmm. When you said that basically they should have done his brother or something stupid like that. So just, just two points I want to bring up this. Number one, have you ever seen the, the movie Beer Fight or what, Beer Fest? Have you ever seen this movie? You know, I've made it through half of Beer Fest and then I stopped. All right, so spoiler alert. I mean, the movie's 15 years old. One of the characters dies or whatever, and they're at the funeral, and basically they bring the same exact actor back, and they say it's his brother, and he joins the team. And it's kind of like a funny anecdote, but I always found that stupid. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But that's a they, parody. That's a that's parody. supposed to spoof. But at least what they did with Omar Epps is when he reports to spring training, Omar Epps, by nature, is less lanky than it was. He said he is a little more bulked up. Yeah. And they have him admitting that he's bulked up and he's a home run hitter now. Right. Now, ultimately, he gets back to the speed part of this, and this is what turns the Indian season. He's back to stealing bases. But yeah. they at least did to try tried to change something about him. Like, oh, that's why he's hitting home runs. He's changed. He's a little bulked up. He looks a little different. So, so they you, tried to give you a little hat tip on what you were talking about. So you were okay with them swapping in a different actor for the same character? Well, ultimately, I'm not okay, but I also understand that I can't let that have the movie fall apart. Like, if they can't figure out a way to agree with Wesley Snipes to come on the movie, I would much rather Major League Two with Omar Epps than no Major League Two at all. Well, of course. I'm just saying you could creatively write in that Wesley Snipes left for, I don't know, the Japanese League or the the Dominican League or something like that, and then this is his brother, Billy Mays Hayes, and he has the same qualities. I guess, but... I don't think the Indians have a successful season in Major League One if not for Willie Mays Hayes. So it's almost like you need, like Willie Mays Hayes, the the, the character needed to be on the team. He's, otherwise, crucial. you know what? You're not doing a t- you know a third place team season all year. You can't do it. So the biggest thing that we didn't get to on the show was why didn't Major League Two show us whether the Cleveland Indians won the World Series at oh. the end of Major League One? Do we know they lost the ALCS or do we only know that they got there? We know they. I think we know they lost, or or is it just they know. won the pennant at the end? Right, they win the AL East at the end by beating the Yankees in Game One Sixty Two. I guess right, you're right because they wouldn't end the movie on a bad note of them losing. You're right. There's no way we probably knew that. Now, Rookie of the Year gives us the cheesy zoom in shot of Henry Rowan Gardner's ring, so we know that the Cubs have won the World Series that right. year. We don't know what happens with the 1990 Cleveland Indians after the ALCS. We don't know what happens after the into the World Series with the 1994 Cleveland Indians in Major League Two. Did you have a problem with that? Yes, I do. And it, it stems from Rookie of the Year as well. And 
I don't know if I never noticed this or really truly thought about it enough because we're dissecting this as sports, but what like we're not idiots as sports fans, or maybe we are. We know the grand scheme is to play for a championship, and I know you don't want to write in every storybook ending about winning championships, but why is it that we can now have two-for-two two on baseball movies where we don't even show a clip of the World Series? <laughs> why did we invest all this time, especially Major League Two, when you have us in spring training for 30 minutes of an hour-and-a-half movie? Yeah, I know. We, There's so much spring training. Get, Right. How do we not get scenes from a World Series? What is like? What was the design on producers and directors that the World Series suddenly was not important to these baseball movies? It was the story of getting there, I guess. It, it just seems very odd to me. I'm very bothered that both Rookie of the Year and Major League One and Two now took this approach. I also found it relatively laughable that we went from old Cleveland Municipal Stadium, which was actually old County Stadium in Milwaukee. Right. That's where they filmed Major League One to opening shots of beautiful, gleaming Camden Yards that they call a Cleveland Stadium, that at first I thought, oh, maybe this is the Jake, and then you realize there's a warehouse in right field, so it's definitely Camden Yards, and no mention whatsoever of playing in this gorgeous state-of-the-art ballpark. First of all, if you live anywhere in the Northeast, Baltimore is very centrally located, and Camden Yards was such an iconic park when it opened that it is a very easy trip from, to make it from Virginia all the way to Boston. Fans flock to Camden Yards. It's a popular place to go see your team play the Orioles. We all know what Utah Street and the warehouse looks like. We've seen the Cal Ripken break in the street back there. We, that, that warehouse is so iconic in the back of the stadium. <laughs> and one of the first scenes of the movie is Randy Quaid and the fans sitting back there on Utah Street Who's kidding who here? If you're watching a movie or a baseball fan, you know that yeah. that's Camden Yards. Yeah. It's not even like some random ballpark. It would be like shooting it in front of Bernie the Brewer's slide at Miller <laughs> Park and going, well, I don't know. Do you think that's Milwaukee? Of course it's Milwaukee. It made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I, I also, but I do remember like the early 90s, Camden Yards was such a jewel. It was so right. mind-blowingly awesome that it kind of felt perfect for the time in some ways. Right. Where you see everybody with, like, the high baseball caps. You mentioned, like, the, there was a Florida Marlins cap in there, yeah. the old teal one. People were wearing, like, the stonewashed jeans or the light wash, high water jeans and, the and like, the, the parkas or the, the fluorescent jumpsuit jackets. The whole thing feels very early 90s, so it's kind of perfect that they do have it at Camden Yards. Right. But just, again, like your point, even if you're not going to admit that it's Camden Yards and Baltimore because it's a movie we need to sell for Cleveland, admit that you have a new stadium. I mean, they have that Bob Euchre scene where he's rattling off in his talk show all the things that have changed about the Indians. No mention of the new park. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I mean, Pete, forget the team stinking. That means nobody's two months in when the team stinks, nobody wants to see the new park. They're already done with it when the crowd's empty. It makes I know. no sense. Now, it, it's, it's a tough storyline, though, to shoehorn in there, which I wonder if the writers thought about because – they're picking up Major League Two the season after Major League One, and she's trying to sell the team and move it to Miami. So you wouldn't have a stadium <laughs> built in an offseason, nor would you have a stadium being built while the team owner tried to move to Miami. Right, great point. It's not like they sold the door and they're like, all right, let's get the stadium up, and it gets <laughs> built in two months. It's a great, it's a great point. Could have done that in, like, Qatar, but we, we can't right. get that done in that type of time frame. So what other problems did you have with Major League Two that we didn't get to? All right, so uh, to me, I, if we're just going to go to the biggest problem possible, and I think this needs to be mentioned to Bogus on side B as well, Game 7 is the game 
where they really break down the ins and outs. You're following the game more than anything. It's not just highlights. You got an idea. You have a feel. Runs, outs, innings, big moments, bullpen right. usage. You know, whatever. That's the game we built to. Is right. game seven of the ALCS. There is a scene before Parkman hits the big home run to tie it. Before I, I think it's Serrano hits the homer later to win it. If yeah. I remember correctly, how the game is won. Anyway, well, he puts him ahead. Puts him ahead. All right. Because Parkman t- striking out ends the game, ends right. the series. Okay. Before Parkman ties it, my point is Parkman's homer should have given the White Sox the lead. They shoot this scene with Omar Epps as Willie Mays Hayes rounding third. D.A., right on camera, and I paused this, rewound it, (laughs) played it, paused it again. He's tanned out. That play where he jumps over Parkman as the catcher. He he makes contact. Yeah, so there's a play down the third baseline Willie Mays Hayes makes it look like he's going to run directly into Parkman to collide and knock the ball out. Parkman is staring, standing there right. with the ball. And Willie Mays Hayes, in a creative move, jumps over top of Parkman, right. jumps over the, the plate, and then lunges back to touch home plate. But as he's jumping up, it appears that Parkman goes up with a tag and yes. gets the tag on Willie Mays Hayes' legs, like around his calf area. So he is absolutely tagged out. And I and when I tell you, like, I stuck on this moment multiple times. I said, I'm not, am I seeing this right? Now, again, I'm trying to toe the fine line between analyzing this as sports and also acknowledging the movie stuff. So I'm assuming the movie editors and producers weren't that bad. I'm assuming they went with a bunch of shots of this and they just couldn't perfect it. So they said, oh, nobody will notice. We'll say he's safe. I noticed. And, and frankly, I, I find it to be a disservice that this is a time before Major League Baseball instant replay. But how does nobody, how do you, even if you shoot that shot and you got to rewrite re-shoot the script. Just reshoot it, right? Recut it. But even if you can't recut it and get it right, DA, then don't t- treat me and the rest of the audience like we're idiots. Can somebody get out there and argue the call? Can I get a shot of the White Sox manager Fair. out of the dugout? Or He was, out, you know, whatever. We just glossed over like, yeah, he's safe. No controversy whatsoever. No controversy. He's tagged out and nobody <laughs> cares. On that White Sox team, nobody cares. Hayes is out. He's out. This bothered me that six hours after the movie ended yesterday, I Googled. You know, Willie Mays Hayes out, Major League Two. And people have talked about this. Really? This This is a thing. People have absolutely analyzed this play that Willie Mays Hayes was out. (laughs) He was out. Which means, now the Indians still could have won the game, but when Parkman hits that homer, the White Sox should have taken a lead. Serrano should have tied the game. And Parkman would not strike out to end the game. We should be looking at extra innings at a minimum. And I don't know how taxed that Indians bullpen would have been when you already go to Wild Thing Vaughn in the ninth, or maybe you save Wild Thing Vaughn. I don't know. But the bottom line is this. The White Sox should not have won the pennant on what happened in that game. And the fact that the White Sox did not have a manager come out and argue is far more egregious than anything Jake Taylor did in that game. Far more egregious. To me, turning point of the movie. Way too much time on that yesterday. <laughs> it is a great movie to break down. It's just such a great movie to break down because there's all these comedic elements. It moves really fast. It's like a 90-minute right. movie or something like that. And there's really good baseball to stick and your teeth into, I, which we've said. Baseball movies make this segment perfect. And I'm sorry. My mind is racing right now. I wanted to bring this up earlier. We mentioned all Tanaka's classic plays, and he has a whole highlight reel of them. <laughs> but maybe the most egregious defensive play in all of Major League Two it happens very quickly. If you blink, crack your soda open, you miss it. How is it 
that the Minnesota Twins third base coach can send not one but two runners three feet apart to home plate, and yeah. Luke Baker could tag out both at the plate. Is that not the most astonishing play in Major League <laughs> history? How slow is the first guy? I don't think I've ever seen that in baseball. And and if you're the third base coach and it's going to be that close for one guy, how do you not hold up the second guy? It, it's it's an atrocious job. And how bad were these coaches in the 90s? It's a great question. And, you know, the fact that that wild thing loses his stuff so dramatically and doesn't know how to get it back the entire season it begs the question, how did the Indians survive getting all the way to Game 7 of the ALCS if their most important pitcher was a nightmare the entire year? With home field advantage, mind you. So With home field only- advantage, although that might have been just rotational back then. It might have just been AL- ALCS. It was rotational? I'd have to look back. Maybe it wasn't, but I'd have to look back. That's a question. Also, at a Major League One... They no longer even have the old guy that uses Vaseline on the staff. Oh, you're right. I forgot the guy that him. hates Joe Boo and Serrano. Yes. They don't even have him. So they've, they've Eddie lost. Eddie Harris? Was it Eddie Harris? Yeah, Eddie Harris. They lose Eddie Harris in the offseason, and they don't have their most important pitcher in Wild Thing all year. How the hell do they have a 3-0 series lead in the ALCS? Well, what you're learning, just like Rookie of the Year in 90s baseball, very thin pitching staffs. Very yeah, thin. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. Uh, and I don't think it's – is it out of line to ask, D.A., all of these movies that were made in the 90s, especially baseball, right? Rookie of the Year, uh, Big Little – a little big league, Major League mm-hmm. One, Major League Two, Angels in the Outfield. Could no director or producer intertwine? Like, wouldn't it be really cool if this Indians team was running simultaneous with that Cubs team from Rookie of the Year and you kind of just oh, were wow. following – what an idea. Right. Like like, like the like, Marvel Universe. Right. Like you were following in that movie another team from that year. And maybe those teams could meet up in a different movie where you just follow the series or something. Yeah. Like this is the Marvel Universe of Disney baseball movies. Right. I just I, I feel like because now I'm confused. OK, well, the Cubs won this year. But was that the same year the Indians made the World Series? Maybe is that the team when when Henry Rongar is <laughs> holding up the ring? Did he beat that Indian team with Serrano? Is that how they got there? I, I think that. Somewhere along the line, these directors and producers, maybe out of their own greed, selfishness, ego, missed the boat here that this could have been some kind of baseball universe where they kind of all corresponded, but the movie followed a certain team. What was that huge X-Men movie or the Avengers movie that ended all the Avengers movies? Oh, I, I forgot the name of it, but yes, that was the one everybody flocked to theaters. Was that Endgame? Might have been Endgame, and that's what we could have had here, DA. I really think we could have had something like that. It would have been great. Was it the Avengers Endgame? I want to get to this because that would be the perfect way to do these baseball movies. It'd be unbelievable. Yeah, let's see. The last Avengers movie. Yeah, Avengers Endgame in 2019. Wasn't there one before that, though, where somebody dies in it? Like everybody, di- like maybe Spider-Man dies? That I don't oh, know. Oh, Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah, so basically it's Major League Infinity War <laughs> Tell me that's not a great idea. <laughs> when great they idea. face Henry Rowan Gardner and the Chicago Cubs in the uh, in the World Series. It's that would be late. an amazing film. And it's not too late, by the way, because if you notice, none of these places are shown the World Series anyway. So at some point, you can make one of these teams make up with one of them and go back through CG graphics and figure this out. So are we doing Mighty Ducks 2 next? Yeah, that's good with me. I believe that's on Disney+. Plus. Now, you mentioned also earlier, DA, that Mighty Ducks 2, did you say it came out the same year or the same weekend as Major League 2? 
the same weekend, Kaplan said in Advanced Analytics. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. How could two sequel movies of pretty famous first sports movies come out the same weekend? Unless they were opening up for the summer of 94 and they were like, oh, the kids are out of school. We're going to open up with these movies. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I just find that, like... Pretty iconic sports movies, both twos to open up the same weekend. I think it's very underreported. <laughs> but underreported Ducks... in all the reporting we right. do about the summer of '94. I'm licking my chops about Mighty Tucks too, and I could already tell you, uh, without even having freshly seen the movie, and probably have eight years since the last time, I cannot stand the goalie rotation <laughs> and how much of a benefit of the doubt Goldberg got over Julie the Cat and Mighty Ducks too. So uh, I'm sure that's going to re-energize some anger. But yeah, I'm in for Mighty Ducks too. Mighty Ducks 2, and then I think we keep running it back to Disney baseball films. I mean, I wouldn't mind an Angels in the Outfield, which I, I don't know if I've seen since it came out like 25 years ago. I think So I honestly, now that you're saying all these Disney-type kid films, I think we run an Angels in the Outfield. I absolutely agree. Now you have to get past this, obviously, the sad Foster kid story, but the baseball part <laughs> of it just is outrageous. Uh, I also think, too, if we're going down that road, how do we – Based off our conversation about Ed O'Neill, not go little Giants at some point. Yeah, we need well. a little Giants, yes. Because I will tell you, yes. DA, Little Giants, another movie I haven't seen for a long time. When a movie finally got to it, a sports movie finally gets to the big game or the big moment, I was fired up when we got to game day for Little Giants versus <laughs> the Cowboys. Like, I, I, I remember pausing, having to take a break, take deep breaths, catch myself even as a kid, because I didn't know when you see that for the first time. Can the Giants do this? And as maybe it's just me as a Giant fan, but Little Giants, I think the coaching of Rick Moranis or said O'Neill has to be examined. So, yeah, I think we got a lot of good run here of all these with Angels in the outfield, Little Giants, Mighty Ducks too. I say we do them all. I'm going to throw in even a Ladybugs where Rodney Dangerfield coaches <laughs> the, the girls' soccer team. Wow. I like a Ladybugs. Okay, that'll get the soccer fan going. That will we got ourselves covered till July 4th at this point. So Really? I don't want sports to come back. There's not going to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got Bogus coming up on side B? Bogus on side B. Let's go. Okay. Let's hear it. Here it comes. All right. Welcome back. It is side B of the PGP. This is Mraz, host of side B, executive producer of the DA show, joined by Andrew Bogus. Bogey, hello. Wow, are you excited right now? How about that? Well, you know, DA and I just touched on this in side A to start before we got into major league. It was quite refreshing in DA's uh, idea of, all right, let's at least try to see each other for, you know, chemistry reasons and whatnot by doing a Zoom for the first time in seven weeks. And Really, you know, I got to see you quickly through a door in an Easter Bunny costume. You know, right. pop, pop in on DA and watch DA. And although our mics weren't on on the Zoom, but being able to physically see each other as we talked to each other felt, I gotta be honest, it gave me a little pep on my step. It felt good. Well, you were very sweet. Um, I, I was more concerned with, like, I didn't, I, I might have made you guys dizzy. I couldn't figure out where to put, <laughs> like, my eye, because. So my setup is a little different than your guys. I'm assuming you guys are just using your computer yes. for your Zoom meeting. My computer is how I connect to the show, which is not how you guys – you have a separate machine. I'm using my right. computer. So I didn't want to put the Zoom on my PC and somehow create some crazy 
audio video feedback that was going to mess up the air product. So I needed to find a place for my iPad to go. I had it on my side at one point. Then I realized I should move my computer screen, put it next to that. So you're looking at my face, not like up my left nostril. So I, I, so I had more of a technical battle than just sitting back and enjoying your beautiful faces. But now that I figured out how it'll work, um, you know, we'll probably be okay moving forward. And I'll be very happy to see your beautiful faces. Right, and and not to look for pats on the back, although we know that's a running theme for me for looking at pats mm. on the back, but I, I think from a show pat on the back, I think through these seven weeks, now look, everybody knows because we're all in this stay at home, we're all in this together, we know that we're all doing the show from home, but uh, the idea that you... Except Pete. Right, exactly, except <laughs> Pete, which is, you know, it. look, Pete's been a real trooper and through here and all this, Connor Green, Jock alone as well. You, me, and DA being able to, and, and Pete when he's on the air as well, you know, talk our way through segments without physically seeing each other like we would in studio. Mm. And, and the fact that we don't step over each other as much as we, we could, uh, it, you know, and kind of upend each other when we're, everybody's talking, I, I find it to be a, really a tribute to our chemistry. But now, I mean, it should be pretty flawless because we could literally, at one point you were raising your hand like a hot, hot route wide receiver, like I have something to say. Yeah. Now, DA didn't notice that. I noticed no, he didn't. <laughs> but I think, no, but I think that's going to make for a better show for however long, and hopefully it's not that much longer before we get to see each other, but for however much longer this continues. Yeah, and, and like we've mentioned before in this spot, like, and I just did a second ago, my different setup leaves me like, I don't know, a second and a half behind you guys. Right. So I had to figure out like when the right time for me to jump in was. So like I was the main culprit in the talking over because I was kind of trying to like think almost in a different reality, like where you guys actually were done talking and I could jump in. So the fact, and, and I was shocked. I mean, cause when DA sent this out yesterday, the email, I was like, I don't, or the text, like, I don't, I'm not sure how this will work. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm assuming now we'll have a, like a third delay in play, but when I connected and I was and then connected to our studio through my computer, it was basically perfectly aligned as if they were one system. Right. I couldn't believe it because again, pulling the curtain super back, I listened to the show and I'm not on the air. I listened through the radio.com app. So I can take my headphones off or because I need to edit things so I can't have the show going as well. So that through the, the app was still like a three or four or five second delay. So there would have been no chance for it to work through that. But luckily, our system and Zoom today put everything together perfectly. And it was like we're all in the same the same space. Yeah, I think the show will definitely continue to grow and be better. Now, speaking of being better, look, we were on to something here with Mothership of the Movies. I don't know if this is something that... I'm starting to trend towards this is something we probably should do still during during sports, although I guess it'll be tough during the NFL season. But I guess if you do it on a Wednesday, right. there's still room for that. We we might have stumbled on a keeper here. And I still, I really, and maybe this is just me not being funny, but I really think it would be hilarious if we did a series, like we did Philadelphia. Like we, we did like a real <laughs> hardcore drama one week <laughs> and just talked nonsense about or you know like some like period piece from like 1800s england right. just something completely off the sports we're, rails right where we it, analyze exactly what the heck was going on right exactly like how could the judge have done that like where's the where, right. where's the detective on that case um you know 
but yeah, not, this is going really well so far. That's not bad because you could totally because basically what we're doing here is we're still analyzing decision making, you know, off season movies, and you could really do that in any way, shape, or form with not even sports movies. So I do like that idea. Da and I had just tossed around. Obviously, we're gonna do Mighty Ducks too, maybe some Angels in the outfield, some little Giants with Rick Moranis for Ed O'Neill and their coaching decisions as well. Yeah, there's uh, there's plenty there, but a couple things we didn't get to on the show, and I didn't even get to in side A with Major League Two that I wanted to pick your brain about. Uh, number one. To me, one of the most troubling scenes, emotional scenes of Major League Two, Serrano on opening day hitting the bird, and the bird falling out of the sky, bogish, and Serrano rounding first instead of helping the team win the game on opening day, runs out to see if the bird will survive, and the bird mm. flies out of his hand, so really he overreacted. Was that, or the D4 jumping off sides, the Ooh. biggest, if you will, boneheaded decisions in sports history? See, I... I, I can't pick Serrano here because now, while I'm not a Buddhist, um, I do think I tend more towards his his overall fault. Like I would be the guy to tell the opposing shortstop, "Hey, man, that was a good. You turned a good double play. You got me." As opposed to like trying to slug him. Like one of the many reasons why I was not a good athlete is because I had no competitive drive. Like it just didn't it just didn't matter. So like I can see myself to a certain extent worrying about the bird. Um, I mean, D Ford, when you throw in that it helped the Patriots, right. D Ford has to be the pick. I would agree. and But if Serrano does that in the ALCS, I'm going to have a major issue with it. But it really did set a bad precedent. And, you know, Bogus, one of the things that you, have, you I think, are really good at with this, uh, with all due respect to Adam Kaufman, mm. is uh, you're, you can't get enough of the unrealistic or just the nonsense of these movies. So where we break down the sports, you really, I mean, you, you've had a lot of problems with a lot of these movies. So I have to ask, it felt like via text and it felt like on the air, I don't know if it's just because you love Major League Two more than these other movies, but it seemed like you had less realistic problems with Major League Two. Yeah, I mean, there are little things like, again, like John Candy and Rookie of the Year. Poor Bob Euchre doesn't have headphones or a booth. He's just calling this game, sometimes without a shirt and drunk, but he's calling this game in the press box with no professional setup. I don't understand how that happens. Um, I mentioned on the show the terrible pitching decisions. I mean, it's, it's like they only have two starting pitchers and no relievers. The same two – and – and on top of that, like, why is, and this is what the case I feel like in Rookie of the Year, too, all of these actors that they cast to be the other pitchers on these teams and in these games, they're the most unathletic guys ever. <laughs> like, this Shoop guy who's been in both movies looks like a poor man David Wells. You right. go back to, you know, to Harris in the first movie, rubbing Vaseline here and that, the guy's 70. Like, so, you know, Rick Vaughn walks in, and just by the fact that he can, like, not get winded running the first base, <laughs> he's got an immediate advantage. But it just, it's like they forgot to, like, that pitchers are not, are not athletes, and they didn't even bother getting guys who looked the part to play these, to play those spots in the movie. But yeah, I mean, the movie's just ridiculous. So, I mean, I, I guess maybe I had my guard down, but I did notice you, you made a good pull on the air. You know, so Taylor retires or, you know, becomes the coach, basically, the manager. And then Parkman leaves, and there's not even, like, a mention of, like, the other guy that now will come up and catch. Right. And, like, like Jake was your third guy in camp, so right. you had to get somebody else. You, and... Someone's got to come up here. You know, I need, where give me some, any random backup catcher guy. Just put him in a mask. I, I know that he's there. Right. And, and little things, too, if, I, if you went back and, like, noticed there were, there were a lot of Indians in the game, like, between comparing lineups 
and then shots of the field, like sometimes, I mean, cause especially when you know the positions, right? Like we know Willie Mays Hayes is in center field. We know Serrano's in right. We know Baker's catching. We know that Tanaka's in left field. But then, so then, so third base, the infield's basically in flux, right? And at one time, there were four white dudes and two, I don't know if they were, if they were black guys or Hispanic, but there were two people of color all in the game between batting and fielding, <laughs> and there were just not spots for them. So there was a lot of, there's a lot of bad editing and whatever, but I mean, it's just, it's hard to, to nitpick a movie that is never even close to reality <laughs> from the beginning. So my, my biggest issue, and maybe we'll end with this one and get your thoughts. I mean, how tumultuous a relationship does Wild Thing and Nikki have? How many times, how many chances is she going to give this guy? I mean, he's blowing off the kids. She, you know, all of a sudden they go from making out on the motorcycle, overseeing downtown Cleveland, to now they're not hanging out again. It was like within an hour and a half she had given Wild Thing four, four different chances. Yeah. And, and then in the end, they're basically going to hang out again? I mean, what are we doing? Well... You know this. I mean, love takes you in, in many different directions, right? And who can blame someone's heart for, for you know, leading you here and leading you there? Right. But in the end, I mean, thank God for Nikki because her giving him the jacket back. I mean, it was a very dramatic moment in the movie where he's, oh, hey, Rick, by the way, you might need this. And, he, and, he, and he, she hands him back the leather jacket. That's part of him re-becoming Wild Thing. And if that doesn't happen, they're probably not surviving the ninth inning of, of Game 7 against the White Sox. So, yeah, did Nikki make some bad decisions? Did she give a, a kiss quick too quickly on an occasion? Definitely. But if she's not if she doesn't make all of those things, we don't get they don't get Rick Vaughn back and they don't win that series probably. Yes, and one more thing I, I actually did want to bring up. If you go back to uh is it game one, two it might have been the first game they lose, it's game four. You know, Wild Thing Vaughn gets demoted to the bullpen earlier in the year. Yeah. Wild, Wild Thing Vaughn starts a game in the ALCS that they lose, and not only does he start, he's in the game in the ninth inning going for a complete game before Parkman ruins it. I think it was game four, and they were going for the sweep. Yes. How do we go again from him starting opening day to bullpen to now he's a reliable starter in the ALCS to now he's your closer again by game seven after almost pitching a complete game earlier in the series none of that made any sense to me. I mean it was especially before we had Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling do that for the Diamondbacks right. it was unheard of that kind of strategy so you know there again is you know Jake Taylor kind of straddling the line of inexperience and being a genius in terms of pushing all the right buttons to get the most out of his guys I did actually rewind that scene, the movie, because it reminded me of Chet Stedman just out of nowhere starting <laughs> for the Cubs. So I wanted to hear the dialogue again, and it definitely was not a surprise to Rick Vaughn when Jake walks by and goes, you ready to go? Like He knows he's starting. He's just checking on him. He's not announcing at that very right. moment for the first time that you're pitching. He's just you know making sure he's good to go. So at least they didn't pull that one on us again, that out of nowhere, being banished, he's getting pulled back in to start the biggest game of the season. I tell you, if we get the Angels in the outfield and the same stunts happen with starting pitching, I might break my TV. I might break my TV because now I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for the BGP this week. And follow Andrew Bogish at... Andrew Bogish. And you can follow me at Mraz CBS. Have a great week, everyone. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. 
Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.